Hey, everybody. Garrett here. One quick note up front. It was announced on Friday that Phil Mickelson had withdrawn from the 2022 PGA Championship. That was after Andy Johnson and Kevin Van Valkenburg recorded this podcast that you're about to listen to. So that's why they don't mention it and why they talk about Phil as if he's probably going to play. Just wanted to let you know about that. On with the pod. Today's episode is brought to you by Golf Blueprint. These guys are our favorite uh, golf practice plan providers. Two very, very sharp guys. Uh, Kevin Moore is a professor at University of Georgia, and Nico Daros is an aspiring professional golfer who also has his doctorate. So these guys are extremely smart. And the key to playing good golf is practice, but one of the things that they do an awesome job at is creating practice plans for people. Um, you can sign up at golfblueprint.com. They make practicing fun. They uh, they have catchy names for their different, you know, kind of uh, programs, and it's being used by high level amateurs, aspiring pros, and also PGA Tour players who are using their plans to help them practice better. So you can go to golfblueprint.com and uh, and sign up and try it out. Thank you to them for their support of the Friday. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast, and welcome to almost PGA Week. We're going to re- we're releasing this on Sunday before the PGA Championship. Uh, wanted to get something out there for everybody that was that wanted to kind of get in the PGA mood early. Uh, I did our traditional five things about the PGA Championship with none other than ESPN.com's Kevin Van Valkenburg. Kevin has. Uh, Covers a lot of different beats. He he writes a lot about the NFL, wrote a ton for ESPN Magazine, also has covered golf for a number of years. He's back after a little bit of hiatus. He will be on site at the PGA Championship. You can find his work at ESPN.com, and you can also follow him on Twitter uh, at Kevin Van Valkenburg. So without further ado, here is our uh, preview on the PGA exciting really exciting pga championship all right we're here pga i guess we're kind of here this is this is recording thursday morning golf shots are just being hit at the byron nelson but i got kevin van valkenberg on here to talk about next week's pga do kind of a big picture preview uh each of us have come up with five things that we're watching for next week five big storylines kevin how excited are you to be on site and back on the golf beat for espn oh my gosh what a what a journey through the wilderness it's been no um I, you know big picture you got to bring in a big gun like me a big guy physically big guy bring in uh, espn credentials when we got <laughs> when we need big picture we bring in the big big guns i mean there's this is this major is shaping up to be quite a uh delightful 
bevy of storylines. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I've never been to Tulsa. Uh, I have been uh, to Oklahoma City once. Uh, I haven't seen Kyle Porter in a couple of years, so excited to see him. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Bunky Perkins down there in, uh, in the great state of uh, Tulsa. A couple of people that I've met through various uh, golf journeys and travels. The, the beautiful state of Oklahoma going to welcome us all in. And, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm I haven't covered a major uh, for ESPN since uh, 2019, since Brooks won at Bethpage. Um, been was did a stint on the ESPN investigative team, and um, obviously covered a lot of NFL stuff. So fun to excited to be back and on site. Brooks's last major. That's right. Yeah, Brooks is one of my things to watch uh, on this thing. Who knows? He's he saw he withdrew from the Nelson today. So uh, who knows if he'll even show. That's uh yeah I think that's uh I mean it's a fascinating place to start is Brooks. Brooks uh I I'm not sure how much you know this but Brooks has only finished outside the top 15 uh at the PGA in his career twice in like 10 starts. He has he has been legitimately one of the best PGA championship players of of the last 25 years. Like he, you can pretty much, if he's healthy, auto lock him in for like a top 10 because he just, this, this, the perfect kind of style of golf for Brooks. Right. It's, you know, I was thinking about this and, and I almost made it one of my storylines, but I, I, it was actually the first thought when I woke up out of bed this morning to just show how demented my brain is, um, Mm -hmm. is that I was thinking, how delightful it is that we're going to Southern Hills. There's no fairway narrowing going because of like some like there, there's not an organization that's saying, hey, we we don't care about par, but we but all of our actions point to us caring about score to par like that. They just let a golf course be what it is and they don't get like extraordinarily punitive. Obviously, like Beth Page was punitive in the rough, but like that's kind of the nature of that golf course is it's narrow fairways and, and thick rough, like, and you have to deal with it. Like, you know, it should be, the fairway should be wider, but the golf course in its state every day of the week is, is that way, you know, they, they aren't going to make wholesale architecture changes, but like you, they go to these golf courses and they kind of just let the golf course be the golf course. And at Southern Hills this week, we're going to see like, a little bit wider. It's going to be more like an Augusta national type setup you know, the Bermuda rough, I think it's going to be, I talked to Russ Myers yesterday, two, two and a half inches, you know, nothing crazy. And, um, and I think that's kind of a testament to, to Brooks at, at PGA's is like when the golf course is just set up to be hard, but not, you know, rinky dink. Super. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like random, like you, you need luck and stuff to, to get uh to be successful right like there there's a what i always think is if the golf course is hard but fair then brooks is a great uh pick because like i think we've said this before when we talked about like what made him you know good in a lot of like at chinnacock and at uh you know at beth page and at uh the one in st louis which is bell reeve like he, he hits it into the rough like He's one of 20 guys who can basically just play that like 
a normal shot, like can just rip a seven iron into the middle of the green. Whereas a lot of guys like it's either they get a good lie and they can do that or they get an, a bad lie and they got to chunk it forward and just sort of guess. He's just one of the few guys with enough club head speed at the bottom of the swing to be able to do that. And so that's why he's always a good sort of pick in these things and in, in us opens in this. So. Not to mention, I mean, when you look at his game and when he's, when he's rolling, what's he, what's his weakness? You know? Yeah. His putter is a, is a part of it. And, um, injuries, I guess. Injuries <laughs> are really the only thing. I mean, I, I think like he's just a sensational all around player. And I, yeah. and when you think about major championships and, who tends to play well regularly at major championships is it's people without clear weaknesses, right? I just think too, he's super disciplined when he just, he's like rarely ever was like, Oh, I got to go at this pin or I got to, I mean, he makes a very stupid, he doesn't ever make a really stupid choice. He's like the anti Phil in that regard. Uh, like when Phil was younger in his thirties, like when Phil was Brooks's age, He'd basically go at every single pin. He would, you know, try to kill every single drive. He would try to hole every single chip. And Brooks is just always super smart about, you know what? Like, I can make a 20-footer here. Like, there's no reason to sort of press right now in this moment. And so that's why, you know, he, like, the way that he just basically, like, made everyone fall away at Shinnecock, I think is, like, was surgical uh, in that sort of respect. Like, you know, he wasn't playing lights out golf there there was other guys who played better stretches of golf at chinny than he did but he was the guy who just had the discipline to be like yep just gonna hit it to the middle of the green and i'm not gonna short side myself here and i think he in that round like one time hit it in a bad spot and was able to make a bogey but just accepted like yep gotta make a bogey here and made like a 25 footer yeah brooks uh so you are you are you worried at all about his uh the curse that he put on himself at the at the 2020 pga when he when he just decided to demean thirty or twenty people on the leaderboard, one of whom you know one of whom won the tournament and is off to one of the best professional starts we've ever seen. Yeah. One of whom now is is the number one player of the world that was on that leaderboard. Another was Dustin Johnson, who is arguably this generation's best player. You know when he went guns a blazing, it's kind of been a different story for Brooks in the final rounds. My favorite thing about that is like the when people were like, "Wow, like I can't believe you like slagged your best friend in that," and he was like, "I don't know, we're not even like that close. Like you guys <laughs> made that. It's a media creation." And then like there's clips out there of like, be like you know, who's your best friend on tour? Oh, Dustin. We just get along so well. Like he's my guy. <laughs> so it's like Brooks like rewrites history like he's George Orwell. <laughs> he just he basically like erase things and pretend. You know, we've always been at war with Eurasia. Now, having, you know, with the last dance pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah. Isn't that a little bit of a characteristic that Michael Jordan had where, you know, the, the, the famous Washington Bullet story with, I forgot the guy's name, who got, who scored 40 or 50 on him. And they had back to back games and he and he insists that he said something to him after yeah. the game. And the guy, the I think his name's Bradford, Bradford something. Yeah. Uh-huh. He you know, to this day he's like, I didn't say anything to Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it doesn't Brooks have a little bit of that that quality of, of where he just like kinda has a selective memory of, of what he remembers and doesn't? Yep. Hundred percent. So I, well, I mean, he's just, he's a weirdo though, in that sense too, of like, he's, 
big time like you know well the media just created that you know when he's like the huge driver of a lot of it uh so um i anyway i guess his hip was sort of a little bit sore going into augusta i actually thought that i i kind of looked like a dumbass because i tweeted a bunch of like oh brooks is he's ready we're sleeping on brooks uh and i picked brooks yeah i mean i thought he he i don't know if you saw like he got in a little bit of a a pissing match with a fan at Phoenix uh, right before. And so I was like, Oh, Brooks is in a great headspace <laughs> to just dominate Augusta. Uh, it's, it's always been a good course for him. And then, you know, he missed the cut. So uh, I, I felt like, huh, uh, you know, he, Brooks was so good last year at majors. Like other than when he was limping around playing at Augusta, when he really probably shouldn't have been playing, you know, he finished again, like top five and three of them. So I think uh, that's the Brooks that I, want to see the guy who's just like always kind of in the mix. Uh, and I think it'd be a good, I mean, I don't, I don't know a ton about the redesign. I, you know, I didn't do enough homework here and watch the, uh, the Friday uh, drone footage and stuff of uh, the Southern Hills. So I can't really say how, how great the layout uh, is for him, but. Um, well, I think it's going to favor somebody that's good at a lot of things, you know? So. I think Brooks, I, you know, as somebody that covers uh, other sports for a living as well as golf, I I have to ask, wouldn't it be nice to know why why Brooks Kepko WD this week? Like, if would you be, were if you yeah. if you were maybe you know embracing gambling as an avenue, wouldn't it be nice to know? If, is is this an injury? Is this why why isn't he there? Would be think that uh, yeah, if if you're embracing gambling, that maybe you should have to kind of disclose this kind of stuff. It. <laughs> If only there was a collective bargaining agreement or something between <laughs> these independent contractors. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, I think the thrill of of winning, cashing like a you know forty to one ticket is what what gives gambling you know the draw of gambling to golf. Um, I don't want to get into the, I don't want to evolve into a gambling conversation no, here. No, definitely um, not. My next one. Speaking of all around talents, um, somebody that has certainly burst on the scene the last few months, but anybody paying attention would have seen this seen something probably not this coming, but something very good coming. Scotty Scheffler, the top chef. I want to throw out this. You're the first person I ever heard mention Scotty Scheffler's uh, name, like way back when he was an amateur or when he was on the corn fairy tour, you were like, this guy is going to dominate. He's going to be so good. And I was like, How's some guy named Scotty going to dominate? That's just, we haven't had a great Scotty since Scotty Pippen, but, but clearly you knew, you knew your shit. What am I, uh, I wish I could go back and get the receipts. I think on my, on the old website, we transferred over and we didn't like, we didn't move all like the, like all the stories over. And I wrote something at an NCAA about like a little blurb about Scotty Scheffler. Um, but it, it's lost, lost to the interwebs. And, uh, you know, I can't go get my receipts from like 2017, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's making his first start is this Byron Nelson, first individual. No, no offense to Ryan Palmer in, in the Zurich, but uh, first time we've really seen him since the Masters will be this week at, at Byron Nelson. So he'll come in either winning uh, five of his last seven or four of his last seven starts. Obviously, that type of run is like Jason Day territory right now. And I think one of the things that I I have in my head is, is this a hot run or is this the, without a doubt, best player in golf? Because that's kind of the territory we're at with this run, right? It's It could go either way. 
he could slide back and and the more likely scenario is he slides back and he's one of the top five players in golf and it becomes part of the cycle that we've been in effectively since Tiger Woods where you know this guy might be the flavor of the month for you know flavor of the half year and this guy might be and and that's kind of we've been trading these spaces but you know there's a lot to like about Scheffler here is that I think a lot of the the skills that are are transferable at at Augusta, or a lot of the skills that are relevant at Augusta National are going to be relevant this week. Um, you've got you know pretty wide fairways. You've got approach you, approach shots are going to be important. And if you miss the green, you want a good short game. Scotty Scheffler is good at everything. He has said that Southern Hills is one of his favorite golf courses. He won the 2015 Big 12 Championships at Southern Hills. He was uh he you know. That was before the redesign, but you know it. Like Brooks, he's good at everything. There's no discernible weakness, and when you're that way, it makes sense that he's played extraordinarily well at major championships. You know, he, you go look at his major championships. It's you know, T four at the PGA in 2020, but then he's the the last four majors. He has a win and three top eights with the, with the win. So. Four times he hasn't finished worse than eighth in a major in the last four starts. Um, so Scheffler, I, I think the big question is: Is he the clear-cut best player in golf, or is this a hot hot run? Well, could be both. Uh, you know, I was uh, on the golf beat during that sort of Rory Spieth fourteen uh, fifteen run when it felt like either one of them. Uh, in their sort of of their respective heater could win every single major that they were in. And they were both the, I think at the moment of those, you know, certainly Rory in 14 and Jordan in 15, like the best player in the world in that stretch. And, you know, maybe apologies to Jason day, but, um, I feel I, I like think... you're, you're just, you know, you're crushing Jason day. I feel like he should be, <laughs> He should be included in that stretch. He was at the back. He was the back end of the stretch. He was the back end of the stretch. Uh, maybe I was just so enamored with Spieth at that moment, just uh, like a huge crush on. Uh, um, the but thing I is, they think... only ha- got one major. Right. The other and guys, you know, Rory got two in 2014. Spieth got two in that period. 15, yeah, and it was really competitive in the other two. Like if Jason Day doesn't mm-hmm. exist, uh, you know, he's got um, three. Yeah, he's got three, or he, you know, he, he if he doesn't hit one bad shot at a bad moment at St. Andrews. Like he probably gets in that playoff too. Uh, but um, what I think too, so my point I guess is being like, when you're on one of these heaters, you just got to kind of ride it as long as you can. Right. Because there's no guarantees. Like speaking of like wishing that receipts could be returned. There's some receipts out there that I wish I could delete from the internet. Uh, ESPN's not quite like the year old uh, fried egg tumbler archives, but uh, it's still up there where I'm talking about how, you know, Justice Thomas and Jordan Spieth are going to duel it out for six and seven majors, like be the, you know, the Tom Watson of their generation. And I think that was a bit naive uh, in terms of history, because you think when you're in the middle of one of these runs, you just think like, oh, this is the kind of the new normal. This person's never gonna, you know, come down off the seat or they're the best player in the world. I mean, part of, you know, I, I think the reason that I, ended up getting on the golf beat is that I pitched a, a story at the end of 14 and be like, you know, is Rory is sort of carrying the torch for the, t- you know, he's the new tiger. And everybody thought like, yeah, he's probably not going to win 
you know, 18, but he could win 10 and, you know, still at four because at that moment it seemed like Rory was, you know, the next great player, like a, the Nina, one of the next five best players to ever live. And so I don't know if that's true of Scheffler. Like, I, I think, you know, that he could, you know, you could tell me that he could win three majors in his career. And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like amazing. That's like the high end of what I'd expect. Uh, and so like, if he's still on this heater right now where everything is just seems easy, then yeah, I could totally see him winning at Southern Hills and just, you know, so, but I don't think like the thing where I think it feels like it gets a little out of hand is if you start predicting this is going to run forever. Like it's just great players have these really hot streaks. And in some ways, once those go, they're never quite like as hot as they they don't burn quite as bright as they ever did before. And that's been true of, of DJ. It's been true of Spieth. It's been true of, of Rory. So the other interesting thing about this is, is that these runs, these hot runs tend in this era to be happening when players are young it's true. and it's almost like they're chasing the fountain of youth. Like they are maybe, maybe it's some, some being naive, like major, maybe major championships and, and winning golf tournaments is easiest when you don't know any better. Um, and maybe that's the thing, but this, this dovetails, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get number two out here because you've, you've hit on this already. Um, do you know what the numbers 27, 17 and 15, uh, what the relevance of those numbers are? No, I don't. All right. Those are the number of major championship starts for Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas since their last major win. And wow. as you kind of laid out, you know, with Rory in 2014, it it's like at that point he's on this prolific pace. He's you know maybe not Tiger, but he is he's something more than Phil. The one, the one, the thing that I kind of thought is like maybe Rory can be the greatest European player ever. Mm-hmm. Like he's probably, you know, maybe he doesn't win as many majors as as Gary Player. Maybe he doesn't quite get to doesn't win ten, you know. And obviously, like you know, Jack and and Tiger, you know, sort of dueled out for the greatest American. But you know, for, it seemed unthinkable that Rory wouldn't win like seven, eight majors, right, and be potentially like the greatest European player ever. And that just still has never materialized. I, I think the one thing that I would think about with Scheffler right now is that he doesn't have any like scar tissue, right? Yeah. He doesn't have like he, it, once he got over the hump, it was like, Oh gosh, like I can, you know, I can win. I'm a winner. I've been a winner all my life. Eventually like Scott Scheffler will have like a round where he freaking falls apart because that's golf. Right. Or he just completely like has a major where everyone expects him to contend and he just stinks. Uh, like Rory's had plenty of those. And that Rory's talked a lot about how that kind of weighs on you and how all of a sudden you can't, you know, feel as young and free and you don't like you're overthinking certain like, oh, I don't want to go with that pin because I don't want to make an error. And that's, I think what, that's what dogs speak. That's what dogs Rory. It's, you know, I don't think it dogs DJ, but uh, maybe it does, you know? And, and so those things are probably coming for Shuffler, but not yet. Right. Because he just hasn't uh, had them. Uh, happen it's just everything feels like it's totally free right now yeah i mean i mean and that's the thing with these guys like i i think you know these were what appeared to be as of four years ago the superstars and 
at this point, I I don't know if you can call any of them. I I, I think ratings wise, like Spieth and Rory drive drive numbers, right? Drive interest, and they're they're superstars from that standpoint. But from their play over the last few years, no, like they haven't. I don't, you know, they haven't been superstars. And Justin Thomas has won a lot of events, but he hasn't been relevant in, in major championship golf outside of his one win. And I, I looked at it, you know, for context, like I didn't even bother looking at Tiger in, in this, but he, once Phil got his major, the longest stretch of, you know, no wins between majors in his prime was 13. And that was before Muirfield. The longest for Ernie was 20 appearances between 97 and 2002. I um, I have to say, I, I, I think I'm coming around on Phil being better than uh, Ernie. Wow. Let the record I, uh, show. <laughs> I, I still stand by like in their in their peak. I, I okay. think Ernie was a better player. But career wise, it's it's pretty it's pretty emphatic, especially argue. with my new point system. I oh, glad you didn't just, walk into the ocean uh, at Kiowa because I was just I was just rewatching the Kiowa celebration at the end of the end. I was looking in the background for you, like looking despondent, you know, neck deep in the in the waves. <laughs> Porath calling you back. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you, people forget that like Phil really should have won three straight majors right you put one ball in the fairway at wing foot and all of a sudden he's won three straight majors like if you think about that like has has at any point justin thomas been even in contention in three straight majors nope uh you know i, I guess spieth almost did it so he could sort of say that's equal but like i i don't know man i i am i can't figure out jt like you, you watch him at the players and you see, like, I used to sort of think that he was like, I used to call him like a Firestone golfer, right? I used to think like he just hit it far, hit it high, not a lot of like brains or imagination, just unbelievable. And I, I think that was a, he evolved a little bit, but also maybe that was a bad read on my part because he's such a creative mind in terms of like, okay, I got to hit this shot with less spin. I got to hit the shot in this trajectory. And that's what we ask. That's what we want from golfers, right? Is to, we always kind of complain about, oh, it's just bomb and gouge dumb. And, and that's not JT. Like he's super creative and interesting and smart. And he has all of the sort of game. The putter lets him down sometimes, but it's such a bummer because he's one of the few people who is really interesting to watch in adverse conditions and different things. And yet he's been just really bad at the British open where all those things should come into play. And he's been, pretty bad at Augusta where like creativity should be rewarded. And I just, I wanted to see him at when he was leading at Aaron Hills after that unbelievable round that tied whatever, or I guess comparative to part broke Johnny Miller's US open record. I really thought that he was going to come out and win that. And it was going to be like, all right, finally JT is like, he's that dude. And he just kind of like Ricky that day, just kind of went backwards and Brooks just boat raced everybody and I've never really felt quite like the same about JT again. I was just like, man, like that was such an opportunity that you threw away. And those are so hard to get, you know, you're leading a major championship after three rounds and it, that you got to go out and take those and to shoot whatever it was like 60 for 73 on that day when Brooks shot like 67 was just kind of a, a nothing burger. 
I think that's the the alarming thing about JT is how few opportunity you're talking about a major what four years ago. Yeah, and and really like, what has there been a great opportunity? Maybe a, the Masters a year ago, um, in 2021. You know, he he had the you know kind of disaster on Saturday. I think when he hit when he found Ray's Creek on on the back nine on 13 and well, he's he was leading at Wingfoot. Uh, after two rounds and wasn't even in the conversation by the end like you know mm-hmm. it's just it's hard to look this shit is really hard but also like you got to put those four rounds together and he has these kind of like blockages where he just can't quite figure out how to get done. i mean even as much mm-hmm. as we've teased rory rory's been way more relevant in majors since uh than jt has since they you know since jt won his Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Club Champion. We talked about practice earlier. One of the other ways to get a lot better is to have your equipment fit specifically for yourself. Club Champion is the leader in golf fitting. They've been, they are awesome at it. Um, If you go to Club Champion and you get, you get fit, you are in for a great experience. I've been going to Club Champion basically since high school um they started in chicago so i'm very familiar with them they now have a hundred plus uh locations internationally if you go there they have fifty thousand different hittable head and shaft combos so you're gonna go and you're gonna get to try everything and you're gonna see what's best for you so if you want to get a equipment fitting uh you can book it on their website if you use the promo code fried egg, you'll get 20% off your fitting cost with a purchase of a club. Thank you to club champion. And now back to Kevin Van Valkenburg. So here, here's one of my questions. If I add one and a half to each of their major total with over under, are you going over? So Rory be 5.5. Uh, Jordan Spieth would be 4.5. And JT would be two point five. Are you going over on any of those totals? I actually think I would on Spieth because I think that like Spieth's game will be forever relevant. Uh, I, I think he'll have streaks where he's hot with the putter. I think he'll um, have streaks where he's you know back to being the best iron player in the world. Uh, you know, I think he'll always kind of be a little bit erratic with the driver, but. I think that Spieth also kind of has like that thing in him where he like it just loves golf, and it would not be surprised me to see Spieth win like a British Open in like his forties, like a little Mira type British Open or a Phil British Open or a Darren Clark British Open. Like he's going to be relevant in that for a long time. Um, I don't. Rory just doesn't strike me as someone who wants to kind of stick around and do it forever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rory basically be like a ceremonial golfer in his forties. So I think I would take. God, if, if Rory wins one more major, I could almost see like the Tiger thing of like, well, I I did it. I came back and I proved everybody that I could still do it, and now I'm good. Like I'm, you know, I don't need to win anymore. And yeah, I think I would take the under on the other two. Uh, that yeah, I can see JT and Rory each getting one more major, but I would weirdly I would pick Spieth to win more. I yeah, I think I go under on all of them, mm-hmm. and and it leads me into it's a smarter bet uh, for sure. It leads me into like my last thought on on these droughts. 
And it's more, it's a question, but I think I fall on one side of it. Um, you know, there's clearly a new crop of young talent on tour. And are they just younger and better? I mean, are they younger and better or are they, is the game, I think you've talked about this a lot. Is the game still rewarding like speed and power and youth? Like, is, is it essentially like how the NFL works where you're maybe other than playing quarterback, you're at your best when you're 23 to 26, because that's when you're at your physical peak as a football player. Right. So I remember once we were talking at ESPN, the magazine back when we were sort of thinking about interesting story ideas and we came up with this kind of story pitch that was like golf breaks everybody eventually. Like when's it going to break Roy McIlroy? And that was kind of like, you know, like golf kind of broke Phil's brain in a lot of ways. And he like managed to stitch it back together, but like golf broke tiger's brain in some ways. Like Jack's like one of the few people that it, it didn't, like break i mean of all of those eras like it, golf is so hard that it drives everyone a little bit crazy right and it's just you yeah there's other things that factor into life that you know kids marriage and finances and all that stuff but like golf obviously broke greg norman a couple times and is still breaking him in weird ways <laughs> and so I, I think you're right like it doesn't seem like it's there's not a lot of guys right now in their thirties who are winning their first major. Like this idea that Ricky's going to like click and figure it out or, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden like, Oh, this wily veteran sort of now that has figured it all out. He's, he, I don't know that that's going to happen, man. Cause there's going to be a lot of like, there's kids right now who are 17 who are going to be way better than Ricky is when they're 23 and he's 35. So what is the guarantee that like this, experience is really being helpful in the long run. Like I just, that's how sports kind of work is you just kind of like the youth movement just keeps pushing and pushing and getting better earlier. Would anything break the golf internet? Like in, in golf, uh, would there be more takes than any player more so for any player than Ricky going to play live? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, imagine how much fewer commercials we'd have to watch. Uh, I assume. I don't mean. I don't know that Rocket Mortgage is going to be like super excited about this, this Saudi Arabia uh, little investment fund to back the player. I, I mean, it's certainly like Tiger would would be like the the. I mean, you'd, it would be funny to see if Tiger did it only because you would see all these people who had been anti live for so long just flip all of a sudden be like well he's an independent contractor he should be able to do what he wants obviously you know america's done some bad stuff too um what what do you got on your list what else you got it it was ricky it was a ricky uh live golf on there it was not that's a great great one to have on there but uh you know we i guess we haven't even ruled that out that's still very possible you know i guess um uh brooks is on my list uh so tell me what you think about this being the the course expert is this is Southern Hills Spieth's best chance to to win the uh, the career Grand Slam that's coming up in a while uh, at PJ venues? I've said this. I think I, I think I said this on the Shotgun Start. All of those blend together, but I do believe that. I I think Southern Hills is just. I mean, it's perfect for his game. It's it's got a lot of um, Augusta National characteristics in the sense of. You're you're dealing with topography on almost every shot. I mean, the the places where Southern Hills is flat, 
for the most part, there's the second and third hole are flat holes, but you have a Creek that winds through them. And then the other flat holes are par threes. So you're dealing with topography. You're rarely hitting that range shot. Um, you're going up, um, you're hitting from side hills, um, on almost every shot, you're either going up or down or a side hill. And a lot of them you're doing both. That's something you see at Augusta national. They, the greens provide very small targets in the sense of like, if you're in the right section, you're really good, which is very similar to Augusta national. You have space off the tee, which I think is super important for speed. Yep. If he has a good week driving the golf ball, he could hit 11 fairways in a round. And I don't think that's the case usually at PGAs or U.S. Opens just because of the golf courses they go to. Um, and in the U.S. Open case, the the way they set up golf courses since Aaron Hills. Um, so I think from that sense, and then you've got short grass around the greens, which is really good for great short game players. You know, Spieth can play more aggressively approaching greens, knowing short grass is around him because he's a, a magician around the greens and he can get up and down when he's short sided um, 10 feet below the hole from short grass. Whereas, you know, that long rough and it, it keeps balls close, but it becomes a little bit more of the luck of the draw. Did I get a good lie? Um, so I really do like Spieth here. I like it. The th other thing it shares with Augusta National that I think it's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is there are a lot of draw tee shots out there. So we've seen certain players like JT really struggle um, with some draw holes at, um, at Augusta National. Like 13 has been a disaster for Justin Thomas. Um, but Jordan Spieth is a guy that has played well at a course that requires a draw. Um, and who knows what shot shape he actually hits. I think it's, a, you know, <laughs> he might not know at this point, whether he's going to play a fade or a draw. So uh, he might be guessing on the downswing, which is going, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I think this is, this is a great spot for Spieth. I hope that pre-shot routine's gone. I got a feeling it's not going to be, it's probably we might not, know yeah. if, if we were watching the Nelson right now. Yeah. I, I just think from just thinking about it um, and looking at the future venues, you know, it would be a neat thing if he did win the career grand slam, obviously only four guys have done it. And he, this might be his best chance in a while, right? Like he's playing good, but not so good that like the, all the attention is on him. All this pressure is on him. No one, no one's out there like writing, like will Spieth win the, you know, career grand slam this week. Like they were, you know, the first time around when he had the shots at it. And, you know, is Oak Hill like a good fit for him? I don't think it's particularly good at all. I, you know, is like, what is it? Aronimic is coming up. That might be a good fit for him in the future. But like Quail and Valhalla, those aren't, don't strike me as like particular. Nobody knows what Frisco is going to be like. And, but he'll be also what, by the time like those, <laughs> we got Oak Hills next year. And then we got Valhalla in 24 and then Quail. And then Aronimic. And by the time we get to Frisco, it's a home game for Spieth. He might he might have like three kids by then. He yeah. might have too much perspective. Too way too much perspective. So <laughs> we ought to start a, an anti-perspective movement. I really I think that's what we there ought to be like a whole I might that might be my first column. It's like you need less perspective at this point. Well, as somebody with one kid, I think I do think there is some perspective that one kid provides that you you don't 
live with before you have a kid. Yeah. But I think there's also like a sliding scale of perspective. And I mm. think once you enter like Brendan for sure with four kids has yeah. has way too much perspective. Way too much way perspective. Too much. <laughs> it becomes what it becomes is your life is just it's just filled with problems because that your children are are providing, you know, you and, he, and you don't have any time to think about anything but your kids. Oh man, yes, I agree a hundred percent. You know, this is like the Rory scale, right? Mm. When you're single and you have no girlfriend, or 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 your girlfriend's a tennis star that's trying to achieve the same thing that you're trying to achieve, which is like superstardom. You're probably your best self because you can go full narcissist. Yes, for sure. Right? Like all you have to do is take care of yourself, which is good for golf, right? And then you have like relation, like I think like there's a scale, like it's your life, like, and that's, I think one of the really interesting things about golf is that the mental aspect of the sport really plays a role in your in your on course performance and your different life moments have impacts and people handle child like people handle parenthood differently right um and like there's all these factors that are the great unknown and i think that's what makes the game so fickle yeah i 100 percent agree i i think uh i always thought that about rory like that his was one of the themes that i was sort of contemplating as I was writing about him for the first time in, in the beginning of 15 was, you know, eventually like marriage and stuff and, and kids are going to change his life in ways that he can't like grasp. I remember I, I talked to Michael Phelps once about this when he was like on his, it was prior to the Beijing Olympics. And I was like, are you, you know, do you ever like date people here at the University of Michigan? And he was like, eh, you know, there's some people here in our lives. And I was like, well, how do you you know, prioritize like swimming stuff versus, you know, like, Hey, this girlfriend, my girlfriend wants to hang out or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, I basically just tell him like, you're either like on board with my schedule or you're gone. Like, cause there's no, you know, and the woman he was dating at the time is now his wife. And he laughed when we like talk about that later in life is like, yeah, like I didn't have any perspective. Cause all I was doing was like selfishly pursuing what I wanted. And, you know, thankfully the, you know, Nicole stuck by him all that time and dealt with his kind of, you know, ruthless ambition at that point. But that, that's so true of golfers. It's like, yeah, you can just grind and be awesome and never have to worry about, you know, anything but yourself. And then all of a sudden that flips. Well, you know, this leads <laughs> me into one of my topics. Two of, the, two of golf's great narcissists who have uh, really revealed one of whom has really revealed himself in the last year since his historic win tiger and Phil who, you know, I think we, we talk about how Spieth's flying under the radar and I have another flying under the radar thing after this, but you know why everybody seemingly is flying under the radar is because of tiger and Phil tiger nice. making his second start since that, that, uh, awful injury. Um, you know, self-induced injury. Uh, and then Tiger, and then Phil, potentially, we don't know if he's playing for sure. Nobody knows Nobody if knows, he's playing yeah. for sure. But he's in the field. So we're operating that he's playing. One comment on that real quick. I was thinking about this. Isn't there, there's a PGA champions, like champions dinner, right? I know that they like gather like on the Wednesday night or whatever before. I don't think it's like a necessarily quite it's obviously not like augusta where you pick the menu and all that stuff but like you think the phil would have to like make the people there 
aware that he might or might not be coming, that he was going to be the host and what he wanted to sort of do for the dinner. I mean, that, that you think maybe the, the people who hold the key, the, the breaking news to whether uh, Phil is going to play or not, are they like the wait staff or the, the cooking staff at Southern Hills? I mean, I had been getting reports about like security is preparing for Phil yeah. a, a, like a month ago. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think he's I think he's playing because, again, this kind of goes back to who he is. Mm-hmm. He wants the, the All right, juice. He's the ultimate showman. <laughs> yeah. And he I just can't imagine him skipping the title defense of historically you know, right there with Tiger's 2019 Masters win mm-hmm. is Phil's 2021 PGA win. Completely like unbelievable that he won that tournament. I still like to this day when I th- like when I'm preparing for this podcast, I'm like, I can't believe he won last year. <laughs> I cannot believe that this man won the PGA last year. It would be so sweet if Phil came this week. And I don't know, you know, he's never been your guy, but like with a full, like big gray beard, 15 extra pounds, wearing those aviators, hair kind of like long, you know, maybe in a ponytail, walked into that presser and was like, what you got? Hit me. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to answer it all. And just was like, yeah, don't care. Went for the money. Next. <laughs> If Phil should just be in full, like doesn't give a f, uh, the next sort of stage that that would be the way immediately he would be won back by a lot of people if he was like, but you know he'll probably do some contrition and some like you know I I don't know I would I would like to see Phil just go kind of full trollish, uh, but he you know knowing him he'd step in it somehow he'd say something dumber and uh, it would just be rebooted all over again. Do you think he's playing? I do, yeah. I think he should have played the Byron Nelson this week. Well, he might not have been able to. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he should have tried in a Z, like if they would let him. But then he wouldn't have. That's probably a good indication that why he didn't. Because if he could have played ahead of time. He always plays ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, it would have just given him. It would have dealt like. It would have got all this stuff out of the way. And then he could have said at Southern Hills, like, hey, I answered that last week, but. I really appreciate the question. Like, I'm just here to talk about the golf now. I already talked about that stuff at the Byron Nelson. The thing about it is that it's been a really hard uh, period of time with uh, with him in terms of PR. Um, and I, I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been. I think, <laughs> I think in a way, um, him deciding to remove himself from everything has actually made it worse. It's made it really easy for people to pile up. It's um, it's made some of his like his real believers a bit skeptical about what all is going on. Um, and I think being out in the public and just being himself um, is crazy. Like because at the end of the day, like he's one of the greatest players of all time. Um, he's coming off one of the greatest wins of all time, and sports like. There's the sports politics crowd. Like there's, you know, people, people just want to like sports and have it be the departure. And I think Phil is one of the people in golf that offers the, the best departure in a way, right? Like no matter what you feel about the guy, the things that like, I've never been a fan, 
But like there are just he provides these moments on the golf course in competition where you just like laugh out loud. You're like, what what is he doing? <laughs> Why? You know, and when you when you take away all of the extracurriculars and, you know, and I think people have largely done this with Tiger Woods and, and been able to like move on when you take away all of that, like he is he is one of the great showmen. He's one of the, you know, true spectacles. And and when we talk about all these, other, what we've talked about, all these other players, all everybody else we've talked about in, in this kind of discussion, we all are just hoping for one of them to be something like a, a shell of what Tiger and Phil have provided us for three decades. I mean, love or hate Phil, he's made it interesting to watch. Like even with all of his various fuck ups and all of his like, you know, I, I always thought that the best way to sort of kind of describe the way uh, the, a lot of his personality is that he just gets bored with like the status quo. And so he has to create kind of chaos to see if he can wiggle his way out of it. And, you know, it's, he needed constantly to like, I think he has like such a, maybe a short attention span is the right way to put it, but doesn't quite grasp it. So it's like, Oh, like I, this year I'm going to play true drivers. This year I'm going to play four wedges. This year I'm super into stats. This year I'm super into fitness. This year I'm a family man. This year, you know, I'm, I'm working with Butch Harmon. No, this year I'm not having a coach. Like he is here. I'm using a Frankenwood. I'm not going to hit any drivers off the tee. It's like he, he, there was Tiger was a person who was like, I wanted everything to be the same. I needed to sort of, you know, just be super disciplined. And Phil was like, yeah, man, how can I think about like ways to keep myself interested in this? Because it just otherwise I'll bored to death. Uh, and so maybe this is the ultimate like created chaos to see if I can wiggle out of it. It's like whether you're a, a magician or whether you're a gambler, the same kind of principles apply of like, hey, watch, watch me see if I can get out of this mess. And uh, this is the ultimate kind of call on that. This is can the dude get out of it or can he win people back? It's going to be riveting. I, I think he's going to play too. I just the whole thing, <laughs> the whole last 12 months is just absolutely bonkers. How a man can go from the very top of the sport, <laughs> like the toast, the toast of all of sports. And for a man to do go from that to really like the 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 seller of the sport, like just like the punching bag of the sport within a calendar year is unbelievable. I, I, I always, when I think about your, uh, Phil antagonism, uh, in the last year. So I think about that, um, thing in the internet. That's like, uh, Oh, they had us in the first half there. It was, you know, you, you, you had a dark moment at Kiowa. <laughs> Phil had sort of dunked in your face and, and ultimately like, you came out okay in the end. <laughs> Phil Mister. Like if you look at the last year, the long descent of weirdness into him. Remember, you know, when he was like fighting with the Detroit News guy about that investigative story yes. and like all his ridiculousness around the PIP and like fighting with various, you know, bitching at the USGA about the driver length. Like he, it's sort of been a slow descent of weirdness and of like, you know, the obviously the media rights stuff I, I you know i still think some knucklehead tech bro got in his head after a round at you know in in phoenix or something about oh you know you're, they're ripping you off phil there's 20 billion maybe it was at the Fortnite. could have been when he was up with the tech bros uh it could have been and and that just convinced him of something that wasn't true at like so many of super rich people who don't consume like actual 
legitimate news and they get their news from like sitting around a table post round with the people and you know he just is further descended into sort of a howard hughes weirdness now <laughs> like believing things that are just you know fit his biases and you know we barely have talked about tiger but i don't think that there needs to be that much said do you have any expectations of uh of tiger competing contending in this tournament uh contending no um but i think you know he could was hopefully i guess my hope would be is that we'll see him looking a little bit stronger towards the end of the tournament if he makes a cut right is that he he was limping super hard uh at the end of that i guess and run so it was kind of hard to watch but you know what he was what what four shots off the lead after two rounds like obviously four shots out of second which is, I think, relevant because we had a runaway yeah. winner, mm-hmm. you know? He still knows how to think his way around the golf course and still knows how to hit his irons in spots where it's not going to make doubles. Uh, and so I think, you know, would it be super compelling? Obviously, he was in the mix. Absolutely. Like, should anyone expect that at all? Like, I don't think so. Like, I still think maybe St. Andrews is a is a much better chance if that it's ever going to happen again. Um, and it's probably his last realistic chance at St. Andrews. Like he'll be 55 the next time it comes around. So that's, you know, unlikely. So he has to sort of hopefully be geared towards that as like his thing. So I'm, I'm going to make the case that this is everybody's been saying that St. Andrews is better. is his best chance. I'm going to make the case that this is his best chance this year. Uh, here's why it's going to be warm. If the weather holds the weather right now is showing dry, warm with, with some wind. Like that's the other thing it's, if the weather forecast and this is Thursday, like this could change. The weather forecast is showing a dry week with 15 mile an hour winds at a golf course. That's got similarities to Augusta national. And when you start to think about it that way, you you've got a shot maker. You've got a guy that's great around the greens with all the shots around the greens. Like if it's if the turf is firm and it's warm, that back is going to work better. And the golf course really lends itself well to Tiger. I actually would make the argument that this is a better chance than St. Andrews, where it's probably going to be cold and windy. And we've seen along like the last few years when it's cold and windy, Tiger doesn't have a good chance, you know? So I, I'd say this could be like where he's, you know, ripping off undershirts because he's sweating through them like at Potomac a few years ago, where he's, you know, he's going through seven shirts because it's hot and humid and, and, and but he's swinging well. And I, I like, I like that. I, I think that that's where I'm landing. Like, would I be surprised if he misses the cut? No, the guy's barely played any competitive golf, but would I be surprised if he's in the mix? Absolutely not. This is a place that, that would fit his game. He was the last guy to win here in a major championship too. So I I don't think you can rule him out of being somewhat of a factor on the weekend. And I share your sentiment, like what I do want. I just want him to not look like so uncomfortable on the weekend. Yeah. I I think that's a good thing. And I I actually kind of, I'm on, I'm on board with your Southern Hills versus St. Andrews take. I think also, St. Andrews is wide open enough too, where like if a bunch of guys could play really well, there's a, it's not like he's the only guy with experience at St. Andrews. And so he'd have to outplay some guys too. Whereas, you know, this is a totally new like redesign. No one knows how this is going to play in major championship 
uh, sort of case. And he has always been really good at, you know, being the best player at a course where no one has ever sort of seen it play uh, in the majors before. So I, I subscribe to your take there. What's uh, what's your what else you got on your list? I we're 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 just you know soaking up time here. I think I'm through three. I don't know how many you're through. Have have some of them been been unloaded with other topics that we've talked about? I, I want to see old Stu Sink get a little redemption. Uh, Southern Hills. Uh, imagine this. <laughs> what this we're talking about real obscure takes here. Yeah, like Stu Sink. All of a sudden, the fact that Stu Sink is still relevant, uh, he, I, I, I want to see Stu Sink have a little bit of a redemptive moment. He's still playing good golf. That's why I want to sort of uh, see it here. Stu Sink, the resurgence is just. I I really wish I wish he had held on to a little bit better of a last year, and he would have been in the mix yeah. for a Ryder Cup pick. I that would have been just like delightful if 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 Stricker had like the hard decision between Scheffler and, and Sink and had gone Sink or something. In another era, they probably would have they would have put Stu Sink on that team because like as a veteran experience, right? When they used to throw those uh who was the fifty year old pick that they picked one year with a captain's pick? Uh <laughs> Was it Jay Haas? I can't remember. <laughs> Jay Haas. Yeah, Jay Haas. That's, boy, the, the uh, like 2006 was like some slim pickings for the U.S. Ryder Cup team, I got to say. Here's uh, one, of my, one of my takes here is uh, I think it's crazy how under the radar two players, and I really prepared this around one, but as I was preparing around one, I, I found myself with two. Like, I think that it's the Tiger, Phil, and Scheffler buzz and i think spieth is almost like number four in the storylines and and somehow the two best young players in the game and over like if you take shuffler in a vacuum of like this is a this is a seven week run or seven start run a really like a half a year the two best young players in the game Callum morikawa and john rom are just like they're in a position they shouldn't be in as the two best young players in the game in the sense that they're like storyline like F is Colin Morikawa and John Rahm. I mean, Morikawa has got six wins in his first 70 starts as a pro. He's got two major championships. He's been incredible at major championships. And here's a golf course that is going to require extraordinary precision approaching the greens. Like, this is a guy that should be just like this should be one of the leading stories of the event. And it, it almost didn't make my list. And, um, you know, I just think that is uh, that's it's crazy. And the same goes for Rom. And it's like both these guys, you know, if either of these guys win this week, we're talking about like more cow with three Rom. If he wins is like, you know, is, is back to like, is he the best player in the world without a doubt? Like uh, in in both of them, they're the two players that right now, based off of the trajectory they're on, have a chance at being a Phil like star in the game of golf. Uh, You know, obviously they aren't going to have the off course, but on course, they they could truly be better than the Rory, the the, you know, and this is kind of like the ilk we're talking about, but both of them, their consistency is mind boggling and something we really haven't seen. I think Markawa's ascent is like he's probably like one of the most underrated studs in all of sports, right? Like people just don't really quite believe that it's uh, real. Maybe just as he doesn't do it in sort of this overpowering, dominant way. Like he's so good at the 
the precision thing, like hitting your irons, like just consistently brilliantly. Uh, and that's somehow like not of a, like a much of a macho thing. It doesn't hit it, you know, three fifty or whatever. It's just, I find myself kind of like, you're right. Like if Colin Markow won a major this week, no one would be surprised and he would have as many majors as Spieth. And that would be completely like mind boggling in terms of the way that they've been covered in the last few years. Right. I guarantee that like, if you do that thing where you punch in like someone's, you know, name into Google, how many stories or how many hits have they been like Spieth would dwarf Colin Morikawa. Uh, and so I don't know, is it, like, is there a racial element to it at all? Like, why is Colin Murkow not thought of as, like, more awesome and more dominant? I don't know. I don't think he's as exciting of an interview. He's pretty like, boring, Spieth yeah. He's very bland. Like, I think Spieth is very real. He'll tell you what he's thinking. Morikawa, to me, feels like he's telling you what his agent wants him to say. And I love Colin Morikawa. I've been a huge fan of Colin Morikawa for a long time. You get the the feeling of like immense commercialization from a a the second he turned pro, and very rarely are you ever feel do you ever feel like I don't. This is just my personal opinion. I just don't feel like we're ever actually hearing what he truly thinks about a subject, unless he's talking like in nitty gritty about golf. And some of that might you know he was was a business. Uh... I can't remember what part of business major he was at Cal, but like he effectively really probably knows how to manage his brand with like uh, zero risk. And that is just basically like just sticking to golf and not really having any kind of other interests kind of, you know, trickle into this stuff. He's not uber famous in the way that like a lot of the other guys are right. Like I bet he could walk around a lot of streets in America and not be recognized. Uh, my final thing on the five things, I think there should be like the PGA of America should have way more like focus and attention, not necessarily during the broadcast, but about who's going to finish as the the low professional, the teaching professional. I think that, you know, obviously there's some of that always or whatever, but there should be like big wagers on it. There should be like, you know, stories about every guy we should spotlight should be gambling all the time on it. I, I would I would like that would be fun. I think the other thing is that there should be like a real count of how much time was spent on either the lesson tee or in the pro shop for these guys, because I think there's a lot of different levels, a lot of different um, profiles of these guys. Absolutely. Like there are some of these guys that all they do is play golf. They're effectively professional golfers that are PGA pros. And then there are some guys that are legitimate teachers. I would like to know more honestly. This is the key. Honest. Honest. You know, Ben Cook last year masquerading around (laughs) was one of the the most fraudulent. It's like this guy hasn't spent. He's played. He's played 10 Latin America tour events in the spring. When's he been at his pro shop in, in Michigan that he allegedly is a pro at poor Ben Cook gets savaged by you on like all different mediums. I wonder, like, if his family's listening out here, get in what, Andy's mentions. What is he? Like. Is he a Latin American <laughs> PGA tour player, or like a Latin American tour player, it's or a, a PGA point. pro? You can't it's be a great bold. point. He's the, you know, this is the Omar Uresti of the next, uh, the, the lower down teaching pro. You ought, you ought to be able to have to like have testimonials of like how many lessons have you given lessons or. 
or how many shirts have you folded? Like, what's what's your what's your merchandise? Like, how well do you know your your beach ratty rep? That's a great. You point. know how how well do you know your your Grayson rep? Like, do do these people know who you are? Can you get can you get a shipment of Precision Pros quickly from like you know? Do you have the guy's number in your phone? You don't have to look it up in the system. It's in your yes. Phone. Uh, see how exciting this could be if the broadcast had a little bit of creativity. Just do the do the legwork. It's the same thing that makes the Mize Bryson annual duel at Augusta so enticing. Is that Larry Mize's life compared to Bryson DeChambeau's is so different. They play the game so differently, and yet at Augusta National every year they seem to be just locked in a tussle <laughs> for T forty two. Who, if every like top ten player top 20 player had to be paired with a TGA, a PGA teaching professional, an actual teacher in the first two rounds, who would be more like annoyed by that uh, development? The, the, the actual PGA tour pros or the PGA teaching pros. So I think the, the tour pros would be annoyed. I think the more, the more, you know, right descriptor for the PGA pros would be like more shook, like it's completely out of their comfort zone. You know, like imagine a PGA pro playing with Tiger and having to deal with the Tiger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Conditions are really, really tough like, out there, Ben. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> like, like a first, and they always put a first time PGA, like first time playing the PGA championship. Welcome to the cauldron, man. Like, let's, let's go. You you have the tea. <laughs> I thought you know, like, uh, I the the one time I played the midam, I thought it was absurd. They gave me the last tea time the first day, and it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, I got to sit around <laughs> and think about this until two fifteen yeah. today. But um, all right, my my last, I love that take. My last, uh, my last. Uh, storyline to watch is is the live undertones this could be the last dance of some people yeah say say goodbye to sergio and to westy and all the guys all the boys well i think there's a lot of names that we don't know ricky could be on that list for all we know like rick could be like well i'm gonna go play for i'm gonna redeem my career over on the live tour i think the other thing about this is last year it was kind of swirling around if you remember early in the week there were meetings Seth Waugh made a really strong comment last year about Liv in Saudi Arabia um, about how they'd be banned from Ryder Cup and from uh, PGAs. Since then, I feel like it hasn't been murmured again. I feel like there's been a walk back in a sense of silence. Um, the The Masters, I don't, I don't think Ridley's comments were at all like throwing support behind the tour. I don't think the U- the USGA hasn't said anything about it, and I don't think they will. I think these major championships are kind of just like sitting back and waiting to see what happens and saying, you know, we're we're Switzerland right now. And I think this this is the last kind of time I think where the golf is going to be really normal in the sense of like this is where everybody plays. Um, and after this week. That live list is going to come out. Who knows? It might leak and come out this week. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of names on that list that the people didn't expect. Um, I think something that hasn't been talked about enough is that I think it's going to be a heavy international list. Yeah. 
I think when you think about Saudi Arabia, money is is not. I don't think as uh, reprehensible to Europe and and um, Asia as it is to America because they're closer to it. They have more of it in in their daily lives. Um, and I think what y- you're going to see is is what if the tour becomes what if a lot of the international players are gone from the tour? You know, what if, and, and this is this is just a speculation, there is no, what if a player like Hideki left? And I'm not saying he's going to, but what, you know, like what happens to the tour? Like that, that's someone they can't afford to lose. They can't afford to lose Japan's biggest star because are they actually a global tour if they lose a lot of the international base? You know what I think, I was thinking about this. Uh, remember back when we were kids, we were essentially like Europeans played on the European tour, right? They would come to the majors and they would maybe come. It was like a big deal when like Seve would come and play like a normal event in the United States. We might be returning to a time where, and this would, you would, the live stuff would have to kind of not play at like Trump Bedminster and Pumpkin Ridge and like the, that shitty course outside of Chicago. Like they'd, they'd have to, if they were, if this deal was like, okay, these events are going to be played all over the Middle East and Europe and Australia and whatever, and that's where you have to play. Honestly, it would be kind of interesting in some ways, right? Because it's not kind of like the, the divide between the American League and the National League back when they, before interleague play, it was like, oh, you know, we get to see them together in the majors. And it's like it's sort of interesting that it was like an, kind of a, that's where I could maybe be like, well, maybe this would be the one time if they're still all allowed to play in the majors be kind of fun to sort of have them mix it up there because then you could have debates and discussions of like what is does this live win mean anything to anybody whatever it'll be weird to me though if they're just like literally playing tournaments within the united states that's where i don't know if it like live auto basically trying to be focused on we're just going to be the global tour right The, the pga tour is really global in name only right because what they have tournament in canada tournament in mexico like it's not like they're going to play tournaments in Australia or tournaments, you know, uh, around the world that much. Like the WGCs are some of that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think that you're right. Like it, it is sort of represented. It could be kind of a reversal and going back to like what it was when we were kids when you just didn't see as much of the the sort of you know how many how often was Ian Woosnam playing in the United States other than the Masters? Right? He was just like I love that Bamberger book to the Linksland where. The European tour was the European tour and like sneaky that book, that book might be the best comprehensive golf book ever written because it, 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 no other book covers to like professional golf and travel and, and it's just seamless. Like the, the gracefulness of the, of how it just goes from one topic to the next is unbelievable. Bamberger is just He's awesome, you know. He's certainly someone I've admired for a long, long time. Uh, and you're right; like he had enough credibility as like a legitimate caddy, and also as like a truly great writer to sort of blend the two. And like, there's, you know, they would take like a freaking bus from like you know down to Portugal for the Portugal Open, you know. And like, there's scenes where the bus would get pulled over, and like the the police are interrogating them, and that you know, it's like nobody knows like what the outcomes be that. It's a it's it's not super easy to get a hold of these days. I don't I don't know if it's out of print, but you can find it. I I remember DJ and I talked about it on a pod. DJ Pie and I talked about it on a pod, 
And then the next time I looked on on uh, on Amazon, it yeah. was like an eighty dollar <laughs> book to buy used. Well, we're just driving things, uh, driving up the cost right here. One more time. Well, that's what happens whenever an old book gets brought up on on. If No Leg Up bring, does an old book for one of their reading the the book pods. It just it's it, all of a sudden you can't afford to buy it. You need to know you need to be out ahead of the release podcast release schedule on old books, not new books. Please don't reach out to me about interviewing <laughs> you for your new book. Uh, Andy, I'm sad I won't I won't see you at Southern Hills this week uh, or next week. Um, I, I would love to have uh, you know it's been a while since I got to see you as well. So other than through through the screen, well maybe uh, open. I, I'm hopeful. We'll see. No, no, yet. U.S. Open think so we'll see uh, we'll be there uh, lord knows i'll swing by the bixby house then for so eat some chips Pre- precision pro house um all right hey great chat look forward to next time and have a great week of pga Tuba. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. This episode was edited by the wonderful Meg Atkins. Thank you, Meg. It is major championship week. That means we are going all out in terms of content. We've got a ton of articles already up on the site. We will have many more. Meg, uh, along with Garrett Morrison, will be on site. So we will have on-site reporting from the PGA Championship. It should be an awesome week. The easiest way to stay up to date on these major championship weeks, know what's going on, see all of our content, but just having you know, a good grip of what's going on in the major is to sign up for the Fried Egg newsletter. If you go to the website, it's right there, thefriedegg.com. Sign up for free and you will, you will not miss a beat with the major. And then most importantly, you'll be a better golf fan the rest of the week. Go visit the website. There's lots of new stuff. There will be probably multiple things up every day. And thank you for listening, and let's have a great PGA week.